Welcome to the Movie Misfits Podcast. I'm Rudy Martinez. And I'm Charlie Marr. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Misfits Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) So what are we talking about today, Charlie? Well, movies, I hope. That seems appropriate, seeing as it's called the Movie Misfits Podcast, and because in addition to being a screenwriting team, we're big, big movie fans. Thank you all for coming along with us on this journey. (laughs) All right, welcome to another episode. Uh, Hi, Charlie. Hey, Rudy. Uh, first, I want to apologize. Last week, I was having tremendous technical difficulties. Uh, I lost internet off and on, and more off than on, for about three <laughs> days, solid, to the point where Mediacom actually approached me themselves and, and offered me credit. So, thank wow. you to Mediacom, but it was there was actually legitimate reasons we were, we were not able to record, <laughs> because it wouldn't be us if things went smoothly. Of course not. <laughs> so today, what do we have on tap, Charlie? Today... I think we're calling it Release the Kraken because um, we wanted to talk about really when we finished our first screenplay and, and everything that kind of came with wrapping it up and going forward. That may, that had me, uh, I think I had asked you in, in a discussion before, um, that had me thinking about big movie moments because obviously it was, it was a big moment. Uh, for us yes. uh, and the ones that came up with the ones that stick out to me um, I mean obviously a, a one that that I probably a lot of at least Stephen King fans are familiar with is The Shining when it first came out critics just ripped it did they really because they oh they said it because it, it and I think there were words like it mutilated and basically they were saying it deviated too much from the book um, which gets into that whole yeah, we can spend I'll bite my 10, 20 episodes yeah, on, on that but eventually people came around to it is its own story it's not you know it wasn't professing to be a retelling of the book um, the other one the one that cracks me up actually is The Graduate um, mm. <laughs> because originally that was panned and was called, it was accused of being a comedy with not enough laughs. And it's like, that's it's not really a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and the last one I'll throw out there, just I, we, I think I've mentioned it in other things we've talked about before, just because it's one of my favorite uh, movies. But obviously, <clears throat> the original Blade Runner, yeah. um, when they did studio testing before release, the studio was nervous that people weren't following the story. So they had, they forced Harrison Ford to record a narration um, that ran and it really, that got it then miserable reviews when it got released. People didn't like, the reviewers in particular didn't like, said there was too much explanation yeah. and exposition. And it wasn't until the director's cut that Ridley Scott removed that track, that the film really started getting recognized as a classic. Um, it's funny that you said, if I go back the way you just said, there are two movies that pop into my head. One that we just, my wife and I just watched the other night was The New Mutants, which apparently got panned. My wife was really excited about seeing that movie. She's a big Mutants fan. Uh, we watched that a couple of nights ago. I'm not gonna lie. I don't get why people were so upset with it. I liked it. It was a good movie. It was entertaining. It was, and it has 
Anya Taylor, I can't remember her whole last name, but the, the young lady from The Queen's Gambit, she was in a couple of other movies. She's brilliant in it. And she's she's pretty much brilliant in everything. And I loved the movie. I was like, and I was kind of disappointed because I guess from what my wife told me, it was originally supposed to be a trilogy and I want to see what comes next, but then Disney bought the rights to Marvel and it looks like it's going to be shelved as a trilogy, which left me really disappointed. But that was one that I guess people panned and I'm like, dude, it's a great movie. Watch it. It's fun. It's what a movie is supposed to be. It's entertaining. It tells a great story. Uh, The other one, I was at the grocery store yesterday and I was wearing my little print shirt. And for who, for people who don't know, that is my favorite book in the entire world. Um, (laughs) But there was a movie that was made that was released on Netflix a couple of years ago. And if you're one of those people who is like, the book is better this is one of those things where people would do that because this, the movie, which was actually an animation um, was not the book. It was a retelling completely a different retelling of it. And that was what got people really up in arms about the movie. So I'm wearing my, my t-shirt and the, the, the girl at the grocery checkout, the young woman said, I love that movie. I've never read the book. I know I should, but I really love the movie. I said, let me tell you, the movie was beautiful and it was great and I absolutely loved it, even though it was absolutely nothing like the, the book. So if you read the book, just know that it's gonna be different than the movie, but that movie was wonderful. And I'm saying that as somebody who's, this is my favorite freaking book in the world and yeah. that movie was awesome and I don't care what people say. So there you go. Well, I think there's, there's definitely a whole other layer because those are both in the category of, or similar, to what I was saying with The Shining, not yeah. only whether it comes from a book or not, but when it's something, I mean, I, I theoretically, I don't, I enjoy them, but I don't follow them close enough to know. Uh, but in other words, the Mars, Marvel and DC stuff could have be subject to the same criteria. Yes. Anytime you have something where there's an existing fan base of its prior form, and then it's being put into movie form, whether books yep. or comic books or uh, even video games. Yeah, exactly. It, that's an extra challenge, I think, because you're running up against there's already an audience that has in their mind what it should be to them. Yeah. You know, I just speaking for what we do, we're writing the movie we want to see, not the movie we think. Yeah millions of other people want to see hopefully millions of other people want to see them (laughs) that's not our call to make so with the idea that we sent our little baby off and into the world of of screenwriting competitions we we were holding back on our feedback that we we've gotten we wanted to kind of discuss a couple of the, the feedback uh responses that we got and there was a couple of competitions that we were kind of high on there was one especially but let's talk about the one that that the first one let's talk about the slam dance competition first we got their feedback and it was um you know it was what it was i mean it it was vague it was i don't mean i mean my ego I, i try to keep my ego in check but when i got their feedback i was like huh that was my general reaction to their feedback yeah huh um i like that they thought the idea of our, our, our screenplay was intriguing and original. That's a quote. But the rest of it, I thought, was pretty generic. Uh, the story could benefit from condensing scenes to their necessary beats, yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. But the one thing, and I think we both agree, that, that kind of tripped us up on it was the 
that it reads more like a serious, it reads more serious than a full-blown comedy. Um, was this, were we trying to make this a full-blown comedy, Charlie? Well, and that's it. The, the more, and I did, I went through the same process because, you know, we shared these or they came through the responses to our contest entries and, and then we, we each read it on our own before we ever talked about it. Um, and I had the same process of, of I, I don't know how many times on both of these ones we're going to talk about that I've read and reread them each time trying to lessen, you know, make it less personal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not. But in other words, I'm just trying to be as objective as I can be and not be like, oh, sometimes somebody's talking about my work. It's like, no, I, I reread it and reread it and reread it, trying to filter that out and just saying, okay. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Is this valid? Is this not valid? Yeah. Is this something to think about? Something not to think about. This one, the more times I read it, <laughs> the more it just seemed like it was a cursory, like yeah. you said, almost a boilerplate yep. review that somebody, I mean, somebody had read the script, but it clearly kind of breezed through it because they missed some major things. Yes. And it's like, we've had the discussion, even in the course of this podcast, of when, or, or when we were writing the script, we had that, we faced that whole question early on, is this, is this just a slapstick, silly, right. stupid comedy where just, you know, one thing happens? And we said, no, that's not because story. that was that was actually an entire conversation, if I remember, and, and I don't even remember if we we got a little heated about it because we didn't know, you know, if we're going to make this a slapstick comedy, we need to commit to making it a slapstick comedy. Yeah, exactly. We, you don't do it halfway. Know, yeah, and so I think we decided no, we're going to let one, we're going to let the, the we're going to let the story tell us where it wants to go, and two, we were both bigger fans, I think, of a darker comedy or, yeah. or a movie. And so when this when this reviewer says the script currently reads as more serious than a full-blown comedy my reaction the more i read that the more i read that and all his his or her other comments is this notion of okay you came in with some expectation yes and it's not that our script gave you this expectation you the reader had this expectation yes. for it and because it's not and it nor does it ever try to be uh, right so and that i think we can go ahead and leave because i mean I don't want to dismiss Lamb Dance. I mean, it was, you know. Um, no, and there were some, I mean, there's some food for thought in some of the things that were said. Right. It's just very, a lot of it was either generic or, and once again, I don't want to sound defensive, but it's just like, I don't think whoever did it really understood or, you know, went deep enough into I'll what just, was going on. You know, what I'm just going to say, I felt like it was a half-assed review of it honestly okay i just so felt I, like they just kind of was like okay they they skimmed it and they're like yeah okay here's they had, took out the boilerplate changed a few words and then sent it on their way here you go thank you be on your way guys that's, that's how entirely it feels possible yeah um because when we got the blue cat competition analysis back and i've mentioned this we've talked about this at length in a couple of our other podcasts blue cat was the one that i was adamant we are going to get our screenplay into that one because everything that I'd read was they will give you valuable feedback. And, you know, every other pot, every other um, competition, it's like pay on a scale. If you pay just to get into it, we'll give you basically what we got from slam dance. If you pay a little yeah. bit more, we'll give you more in depth. And if you pay even more, we'll give you in depth and maybe even 
talk to you and work with you or whatever and all that kind of crap. Whereas Blue Cat, there was no other more. It was just, you know, here it is and this is what you're going to get. And I felt like we got some really good feedback. Yeah, it's night and day. And it's not like Blue Cat doesn't have some things that it challenges us all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> either. But it's night and day in terms of not only does the reviewer make their point of something we did well or could be done better, but then they substantiate it right, right. afterwards. Exactly. And that's the difference. The, the other one never substantiated any of Correct. the remarks. And so I'm, uh, I mean, I could read the whole thing. It's, it's a bit long, which is my first, you know, uh, indication that they actually took it seriously. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to read it all. Um, but I do want to start out with the beginning. Derwin is an interesting case study into the lived experience of a person with disabilities, but not characterized as evil or violent. Derwin has a violent choice thrust upon him on, and on several occasions either does not commit, does not commit the act or is stopped by external forces. I'm going to stop there. You and I talked about this off the air. Um, and I loved this because that first sentence stopped me in my tracks because I'm like, wait a minute, wait, Derwin doesn't have a disability. Exactly and, what I would, yep. And so we, it made me stop and kind of reevaluate how we wrote him in the first place. And all of a sudden, everything came screaming back at me because if we were to encounter somebody like Derwin at work, for example, um, whether it was just something as general as we thought he was slow or we thought maybe he was on the spectrum or just the fact that by default, if he's going to become a serial killer, he's got to have some sort of a, a psychological issue because you, 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 people don't just become serial killers without being, you know, uh, sociopaths or psychopaths. Yeah. So obviously there is something there. And it was funny to me that once, once, cause that hit my ego. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, dude, tell him he had this, you know, he doesn't have a disability. You step back and it was like, wait, somebody saw something there that we put there that we didn't intentionally, you know, we didn't, when we were sketching this character together, we weren't like, let's make him autistic or let's make him, you know, this or that or whatever. We were just like, here's all the things he does. Here's all the things yeah. he doesn't do. Here's what he's into. Here's what he's not into. Here's his quirks and foibles. And it, it just, that's what we created. And I thought, wow. So it, it, no, it, if anything, we went the other way. Cause I remember the discussions of, yeah, he, you know, things don't go his way and he's an odd duck and socially awkward, but we don't want to make him stupid. You know, right. he's, he's a smart, capable person. And it's funny because I think that's part of what triggered my having the same response as you when I first read Person with Disabilities. No, he doesn't have disabilities. But as you said, the, the more you kind of dig into it, the more you can understand where somebody yeah. coming in and reading that could have that interpretation. And I loved that. I thought it, to me, it made Derwin even more interesting for me. Yeah. And so as we, as I read and, and we go, they, they went on and on. Um, I think they, they really kind of, I felt like the blue cat guys and gals did a much better job of capturing what we were trying to do with it in, in the first place. Um, the, the, this script is chock full of delightful, ironic darkness, which is what we were shooting for. That's a direct <laughs> quote. That's what, you know, they said, yeah. um, 
One of the one of my favorite examples occurs at the very end, but but highlights a similarly lighthearted yet twisted tone that perforates the entire script. It's on pages one eighteen through one twenty one during Sandy and Eleanor's conversation. Sandy's talking about a profoundly problematic part of her life to her mother, and Eleanor has the quippiest of horrible things to say in response to lighten that mood. To, that lighten the mood. Um, it's practical and not jarring in the least. And I'm like, okay. I to me. When I read that, I'm like, okay, whatever else is going to come. I mean, they're giving me the sugar. Um, I know that at least they're, from what I'm reading, they're getting what I'm putting out there and they're seeing things that we didn't even intend to put out there, but I absolutely can see it now that they've said it. And it yeah. made it easier for me when they got to the part where they're telling us, okay, guys, that's the good stuff. Here's what sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and that's it. And you know, I similarly, there's another line when he's talking about Derwin, the main character, where the blue cat—I keep saying he could be a she. We don't know. Uh, they're just reader number nine four one zero. Thank you for your work. <laughs> um, the reviewer says Derwin fails upward in his attempts to murder people, and it works beautifully. And it's not the compliment that I love. It's just like the line you read about Sandy and Eleanor's conversation. It tells us that they got it. Yeah. They, they understood how we were trying to present it. Um, and that was more reassuring than the compliment right. itself. Because as you said, this is a relief, the isn't it? Part for the, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, we weren't completely off base. Right. That the reviewer versus the first one this reviewer who took the time to try to read and follow what was going on actually understood what we were trying to do yeah. and the story we were trying to tell. And so, and it's, so now let's get into the nitty gritty of the things that they think, the things that need work, yeah. um, which I mean, this is where I have to say, you know, you have to park your ego. Um, Anybody who is is considering writing a screenplay, if you're ever going to want feedback that's going to be worth a damn, you have to be willing to park your ego. And so that's the next part. Um, the camera directions detract from the natural telling of the story. This was a thing that you and I wrestled with ad nauseum when we were doing this. First, there wasn't enough. Then there was too much. How much do we take away? <laughs> How much do yeah. we leave in? And we talked about this, I think, last episode. Because we had to get this thing down to 125 pages, specifically for, for this competition, yeah. we cut a lot of the direction out, um, and we felt so much better about it. Uh, I think there's obviously, based on the feedback, a lot more that we can cut back. Sure. Probably. And we'll have to go back there and do that. Um, yeah. But it was like right off the bat, that's the first thing. And that was the biggest concern that we had, I thought, at least, yep. when we released this bad boy into the wild. I also think, at least I want to think, I once again, just based on our one, I would expect or I would not be surprised if that, like having too much direction in it is pretty much first time screenwriters. Yeah. 101 yep. because once again uh, I think I've mentioned for me personally in, in prior podcasts 
um, when I write, when we're passing a script back and forth, I like play the movie in my head. Yeah. And that's what fuels my writing. So obviously I'm trying to write down Everything every little read. thing I see, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is not a good thing. But, um, but yeah, no, it lends itself. It was very interesting to see because just as you said, we had to cut back considerably to be able to submit to Blue Cat. And we liked the script so much better once we had removed all that. There are two things. One, it was a little bit jarring, but I still agree with them uh, to see them come back with that as their first yeah. kind of critique item. Uh, at the same time, I, it also was a real positive to me, like that's the one you want to lead off with because that one I can. It's the I easiest thing to fix. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it even they even say that this is one of those problems that are straightforward fixes. Rewriting some of the action to exclude those unnecessary shots and cam camera angles, we can do that. That's yeah. easy enough. And I mean, it, yeah. it was like uh, when I had Paul, my friend in LA, who, who's a writer, read this thing when we were finally putting it to bed. The one thing that he kept saying is. You're not the director or the cinematographer. They know how to do their job. They don't need you to do it for them. Um, so the big thing, though, the one that I think uh, for us that we really have to go back and tear this thing apart and fix is when they tell us the inciting incident occurs on page 40. Um, when Derwin is framed for attempted sexual assault and destroying one of the company's machines, a slow burner still has to have something happen long before this point. Otherwise, the pacing for the story drags to detrimental effect. I think, and we started to talk about this off air, um, but I don't, it just kind of occurred to me. I think that we had in our head all of the kind of failures uh, and, and stuff, kind of, we thought that was going to be the tension builder. And then when yeah. we re when I read this, at least, I realized all of those failures amount to a nothing happen. And we need something to happen. Exactly. We thought all those things which defined Derwin, so that there were value to them, but we thought those were happenings yes. or action or, or whatever. And they are things that happen, but they don't they don't happen in the, the, I don't know what to call it, the base of the storyline. In other right. words, that doesn't move him from point A to point B. Right. They're just defining elements of him. And, and so, yeah, I, and I it think took an, me a while, but I came around to that same thing. That, right. Yeah. And I think for me, I think that I realized in hindsight after reading all of this, and then it, it, just so everybody understands... I have not read this script again since we finished our last um, uh, version of it and sent it off to these competitions because we were waiting for the feedback to come back and we've been working on other things. It's been probably about six weeks. So I'm ready At to least, tear yeah. back into it and, and get into the nitty gritty of it. But the thing that I feel like isn't being said, but I, I feel is accurate is that all of those things may define who Derwin is or is trying to become, but in a way, from a movie standpoint, it's almost like he's on a treadmill, so he's not going anywhere. Nothing. This, exactly. You know, it's not moving him towards correct. the big moment where he changes what he wants to be and what he wants to do. So I'm excited um, that you and I are going to have to come up with an incident that we're going to have to create 
yeah. for earlier in the movie. And I'm ho- and I actually honestly, if, if you think if we were honest with it about it, the, the it's only going to make this movie feel. I mean, I love the punches when we have the punches. If we can put one in earlier instead of waiting till page forty, where we have where we deliver another one of these punches, man. I just I I feel like we're that close to the finish line of having something that we can actually get sold. Yeah. Because I do feel. I mean, I'm 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 trying to be objective, but I do think this is a damn good script. All things considered, you know. Yeah. No, and it's it's an interesting. There's a certain dichotomy to me because I really like the script we have. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can read this, particularly this part about needing something, needing a turning point of some kind earlier, because some impetus to get him to, to the big point. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I like our script the way it is, but I see this, it could be so much better with this other element. You know, um, I, I look at it like, because I, I let's get to the end of their critique. I, I, I love okay, this. Okay. It's it's not what I wanted to hear, but I, I see it. I find it challenging to see Derwin as someone capable of willing to kill someone. This feeling solidifies when the first inclination to kill someone that the audience is aware of is a stranger in a convenience store before meeting Billy on page 43. Derwin has been nothing but kind-hearted and shown little to no disdain for his how his coworkers have treated him in the past. And I think, in my mind... That is us. Not we. We talked about this before we recorded. Uh, we, you know, he's internalizing all of this stuff and and you know, all of this crap that they're pouring on him. We're not doing anything that kind of is showing his reaction externally. Yeah. And we need to do something with that. And I think it's going to be an easy thing to do, and easy to get us from in all of the the shit that's being dumped on him to having something done earlier on that lets people know, okay, you know, yeah, maybe. And, and I, so in well, a way, even I, that, yeah, go ahead. It, it, I'm just saying in a way it, it's, I'm actually, and I didn't think I would be here six weeks ago. I'm excited to kind of get back into Derwin's world. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think we both were at the point that we finished it. We're like, okay, good. Let's get on to something else. Cause I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this. <laughs> Yeah. No, and I do think because even in the in the first review that was more cursory, I don't remember the specific comment, but there was something about where the person once again who had only done the cursory reading felt like it was just like the event with Harold where he gets blamed for destroying a machine and yeah and and other things was the single catalyst for him going over the you know for his screw popping loose and saying i want to be a serial killer where we had written it that there now the first other reviewer missed it but we had you know we had written it to be a build up but as you said we never we kind of had it implied in what was going on, but we never externalized it in the story. So you don't... And so this was like an eye-opener that like, okay, we, we were too subtle. And, and honestly, if we circle back to, to the slam dance critique, that's one thing that they did say um, pretty emphatically that I think, you know, 
moving forward, remember to only include what we can see and hear. Um, and I think we were writing it in a way that doesn't include what people can see because we're letting him internalize everything. And I think yeah. that was our failure uh, and that we, we'll fix yeah. that. And I think, I think honestly, all things considered, this thing is going to be an easy fix uh, because it's not really that broken. It's just... Well, and, and that's what we... When we were talking before we came on to, to record this one, I mean, that was the biggest takeaway for me. I think we both had, we've joked about before, you know, we both have the fear that somebody in the industry is going to say, you two clowns need to go do something else. This is not where you belong. <laughs> well, um, did I tell you, I didn't read. So we got the critiques and I forward one of them to you. And then the other one came to both of us. Um, I didn't read them until last week. Oh, True really? Story. Okay. I, 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 mean, I had read them right away and like repeatedly. And the big takeaway was, is that, yeah, we made some, there's some technical mistakes, like the camera directions, having too much of that. And there's some plot errors like this. We left some things internalized and maybe we didn't make other things clear. But by nobody, there's nothing in here that says you have a critical flaw in mm -hmm. this story or a mm -hmm. you know critical flaw in your character or, or something that that's not fixable or can't be improved. I want to uh, see that this movie. Was, I do. Yeah, At the end of the day, really, I want to see this movie. That's what felt. I mean, even with the parts I didn't agree with, and there aren't that many. Mm -hmm. It's like I felt good about the whole thing because they weren't nowhere in there was this. No, you guys just missed it entirely or you did, you know, and particularly once again, the blue cat, the person that invested in actually diving, diving in. into what they produce. Yeah. Um, so I, even their critiques are more reassuring than they are anything else. Yeah, as we can fix it. And that's the big takeaway. It's not like we have to tear this thing from the ground up and start over again. It feels more like here's a couple of things you need to do. And then this baby's ready to roll. Um, yeah. I want to do, I want to do the things that we have in blue cat. And then I want to resubmit it and, and see where we get with it. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think I just, you know, even without the fixes uh, after you've, took it from me and made it so that I wasn't pulling my hair out anymore. And you gave me that ending. I was suddenly wanting to see this movie. And I yeah. keep thinking All with right. what we can do with the earlier parts of that movie, the stuff we can kind of inject in it. I feel like I want to see this. I want to see this movie, not because yeah. we wrote it, but because it's a movie that just is, it just seems like my kind of jam, honestly. And Bosley wants to see it. So he wants to, <laughs> that's right Bosley you tell them uh, anything else you got for me with this uh, no just a crazed dog <laughs> <laughs> alright well what are we doing next week uh, next week is our season 8 our episode 8 which is the conclusion of our first season of podcasts yes. and I think we're talking about um, kind of just what we started to dip into here, what our next steps are, both with Serial Killer and with other projects that we're working on. And, and we got to start, uh, even, the, I think the next step we're going to talk about, though, too, is 
We're on our way to finding an agent. That's the next step for us. Yes, that's that is on the on the to do list. So, and particularly once we get this bad boy fixed up, exactly, and just then, polished a little bit, and then I think we're ready to really pursue that. Right on, in earnest. Okay, Charlie, I will get to editing this thing. We will have this up on our uh, patron page on Wednesday morning for all of our patrons. And thank you to them because they're the they're the ones making it possible for us to keep entering these competitions. Um, Absolutely. And then Friday we'll have it up for everyone else. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. All right, Charlie. Well, I think Bosley wants your attention, so I'm going to let you get to that. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye. Bye. Well, I guess that's a wrap. I think that's only for when you're filming. No, it means you finish something. Besides, we're talking about movies, so there's that. Oh, fine. Well, next time I want to say it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Movie Misfits podcast. We hope you'll join us again. Tell all your friends and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform. Do it! (laughs) 